you're listening to that sober guy podcast on recovery radio living one day at a time for a sober healthy happy life for more information visit www.thatsoberguy.com and now let's start the show it is i shane raber like i'm so important right i'm not maybe in my own alcoholic brain i'm important I'm the center of attention. The world revolves around me. Everything that I do is so important. Everyone else can eat a dick because I don't care. Wow. Those thoughts actually subconsciously used to fulfill my measly little brain at some points. Isn't that crazy? What a change. What a difference sobriety can make in your life. If you haven't tried it yet, I suggest you try it. Because it's fucking amazing. Yes, I'm for real. What's up, peoples? Thanks for joining us today. This is another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast, number 21. Why do I feel the need to state the number? It's really irrelevant, but I still did. So number 21, that's the last time I'm going to do that. If I do that again, I'm going to punch myself. Just real quick, just a quick little, little quick little one to the face, to the jaw. Just to remind me, don't say that shit. We got an exciting episode today. Uh, I want to I want to ask that you check out the website, www.thatsoberguy.com. Did some updating to it recently. I believe I addressed this in the last episode. Uh, put some of my music on there and uh, some of my acoustic stuff as well as some of the Chemical Diet album. So that's on there. You can listen to that. You can check it out. Um, also just kind of rearranged it a little bit, made it a little more user friendly. There's some, there's a comment section in there. You can add some comments about the show. If you'd like, you can also go to the subscribe page and subscribe, type your email address in. We send out little updates, um, little reminders throughout the day to keep you positive and to keep you on point. I want to start today. Uh, let's see, we got an email from, um, from a friend and listener, Dennis from Montana, so Dennis, thanks for uh, reaching out. I had mentioned and talked about how alcoholism was the only disease that tells you that you're not sick. Alcoholism is a disease that tells you that you're not sick. Now Dennis writes in, and um, let me just read the email real quick, actually, and you can kind of see the point of this because this is um, this is what it's regarding. So it says, um, "I've enjoyed your podcasts and listened to them on my half-hour commute in the mornings." I just celebrated 16 years of sobriety on the 21st of November. So Dennis, congratulations on that, man. That's, uh, that is a milestone, 16 years, uh, milestone. What's a milestone is a milestone. Is that like 20 years, 50 years? I don't know. Maybe it's not a milestone, Dennis. Um, but it's definitely something to be proud of. So 16 years. That's awesome. It says what an amazing adventure, Montana in full color after seeing it so many years in black and white. I used to say often that alcoholism was the only disease that tells us we don't have it, which is what I said in the previous episode. Um, And I didn't make that up or anything somewhere I read. I maybe heard it um, in one of the support groups. I'm not really sure, but it did make sense to me. And it still makes sense to me. Several years ago, I said this in a support group full of emergency room nurses, and they immediately and politely corrected me. They said lots of different diseases routinely presented with denial as part of the disease. They use the example of diabetics who were in denial to the point of losing limbs or people clutching their chests in incredible pain, all while denying that they could possibly have a heart attack. 
I thought about my 15 years of EMT experience and realized the nurses were right, as it seems to be pretty normal for people to deny their diseases. And Dennis is absolutely right. And, um, you know, I think denial in general is, is just something that, um, it's, it's very human. Um, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I can't explain it. I know that there are many things that we live in denial about. We live in denial. Um, you know, maybe we just don't, maybe we don't enjoy our job. For instance, that's kind of a, a, a very simple one, but we don't enjoy our job, but we're in denial of the fact that, um, that's kind of a stupid, hold on a second. That's a stupid fucking example. God didn't say it. See, I stopped myself. I stopped myself. Didn't say it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, anyways, you get the point. Okay. So what I said last time about alcoholism being the only disease, although a disease that, that tells you that you don't have one, um, you know, there can be many different diseases, many different, um, situations, many different scenarios of different types of things, uh, where people can experience denial. So, um, you know, in denial, what a tough thing being honest versus denying something that, you know, that you're going to have to address. That's part of the, part of the process of changing. If we're stuck in denial all our lives, how the hell are we going to change? Because we're not addressing the situation, which in order to, to change and to progress as people, um, is the first thing is accepting and being honest with yourself and your situation. Um, so let, let me just finish Dennis's email real quick. And I'll believe that like many diseases, alcoholism usually starts with a denial component as we simply can't justify our behavior without some form of cover up and blaming other people, places, and things for our actions. Continued denial usually progresses to delusion, which is where we are not just spouting this crap out to throw others off our tracks, but instead have started believing our own crap ourselves. A very dangerous place to be. Uh, exactly, exactly right. Um, you know, we're stuck so deep in that rut. We're stuck so deep in the fact that we do not have an issue. Our drinking, our drug using, our eating habits, our sex uh, addictions, our, our eating addictions, um, more, more or less, uh, uh, anything, what shopping addictions, whatever it is, you're stuck in the fact that it's just normal. It's a normalcy bias. It's something that you're not going to address. You're not going to look at it for what it is because maybe you're not ready to change. Maybe you don't think it's a problem. Um, I can honestly say one of the reasons that I didn't come to terms with my alcoholism and I was in denial for so long, although I did know in the back of my brain that I, that there was something that just wasn't right. Um, I knew that the day that I admitted to somebody else, and in this case, it was my, my wife and, and, um, you know, my best friend, Seth, that I had a problem. The reason I didn't do that is because I knew once I admitted that and came out in the open in it, I was going to have to do something about it. I was going to have to go away to a 30 day rehab. I was going to have to address all of these different things that, um, you know, that had went, you know, wrong in my life or things that I pushed way in the back of my brain and tried to forget about in my life. You know, I, th those were things that I was going to have to address and I couldn't use my favorite tool of alcohol or drugs to mask that shit anymore. I actually had to address it. So that was a big, big part in my denial. Um, so, and, and Dennis ends with helping others is a vital part of my recovery. And he says, I'm, I'm glad Shane that you're, uh, active and trying to be of service and congratulations on your, on your, uh, year of sobriety. So Dennis, uh, thanks again, man. 
uh, for reaching out and uh, being a part of the show and listening. One of the other things real quick that Dennis had mentioned in, in another email that him and I kind of were going back and forth on um, is he, he said early on he heard that alcoholism is a three-part disease, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And I find that it's it's kind of funny and it's kind of true at the same time. Those are some of the hardest times for for alcoholics to, um, you know, to be around family and friends. the 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 holidays are um, are a big time for having a good time, all hanging out together, and a lot of people uh, responsibly drink. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, uh, us alcoholics we can't do that. You know, so Dennis wrote in here about. Um, a detailed plan that he goes into around the holidays that helps keep him sober. And one of the other things he said was, um, you know, he, he thought it'd be a good idea for maybe an upcoming episode. If we gathered some ideas on how, you know, we best survive the holidays. So what I want to do now is I want to extend this out to anyone else listening. You know, this is your, this is your show. This is your part too. Um, you know, right into the, to the website, there's a, there's a, um, there's a form on there where you can make comments. Uh, I get the comments and I'll read them on the show. And, and all you got to do is, is just write in and, and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I do during the holidays. You know, maybe a little tip that you're offering out to all the other listeners out there. And if we all kind of share and come together in that, you know, you never know who you, who's going to hear it. That might really help somebody during, during this time, um, you know, of family and friends and, 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 uh, a good time, but sometimes we all need a little help getting through it because it can be difficult sometimes. Um, so what I'll do is if you, if you, if you write in on the comments page or you can email me sobriety at that sober and, um, you know, just shoot us a little tip. What do you do? How do you stay sober out there on, on the holidays? How do you handle family? Uh, how do you handle friends? How do you handle certain situations? Do you stay away from them? Do you do you go in them with you know full force? Do you have a good backup plan? Uh, what do you do? So um, I, I'd I'd really like to hear hear some uh, some some good comments on that. So, um, anyways, let's get down to it tonight, huh? You want to know the funny thing? I don't even know what the hell I'm gonna talk about right now. Isn't that awesome? I just get to sit here. And just talk. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah. Just kidding. Let me take a sip of coffee. Hold on. Check this out. I want you to picture my eyebrows. Okay. I'm going to get the deep. I'm going to kind of scrunch them up a little bit. Now I'm going to lift the coffee cup. Okay. Out of my spring fling coffee mug. Hey, that's a good one actually right there. My wife and I went to this last year. It was the Sacramento Spring Fling 2014. That's a coffee mug I'm drinking out of right now. Now, they do it on Valentine's Day, uh, the Valentine's Day weekend. It's a great event. We had a great time at it, and I believe it's at uh, the Doubletree Hotel. I'll have to double-check that, and I'll look. I can put it up on the website, uh, maybe a little link to it or something. And it's got some great uh, speakers at it, and it's just a great event. A lot of good people, a lot of good sober people and a good time out there. So um, if you're in the Sacramento area or you'd like to come to Sacramento and visit it, uh, something like that, um, something to do. Anyways, let me get this slurp real quick. Hold on. I hope I didn't piss you off. You're, you know, you're sitting in your car driving, sitting in traffic at the gym, sitting at home. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I apologize for wasting your time listening to me slurp not so good tasting coffee. Anyway, so topic of the night. 
I came across something that I found that I'd written a while back and I wanted to share it. it says my story starts like this. I'm an alcoholic and addict and I need help. For the first time, these are the words that finally came out of my mouth just over a year ago. I was fighting a battle in my head that I'd fought for so very long. I was fighting a disease of compulsion, insecurity, depression, and addiction. In my head, it goes something like this. There's nothing wrong with you. This isn't a disease. You're fine. Everything you're doing is normal. And tomorrow, we're going to make some changes. Notice the word we. The other side of my head says this. You aren't good enough. You're a loser. You can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. Now, this battle happens on a daily basis. And somewhere in the middle of it all, there was a bottom of a bottle and an empty bag of whatever substance I felt like using that day. Like many of us, I too grew up in an alcoholic family. I can still remember as a kid seeing half-drank beers left in the fridge. I would sneak drinks of them on occasion just to see what the beer tasted like. Life at home was, was pretty unpredictable. One minute we'd be having dinner, the next minute the police would be there to break up a domestic violence dispute. These are memories that over time I've tried to block out of my mind or forget altogether, but just as I write this, many of them resurface. I started drinking, smoking, and using drugs when I was 15. They made me feel rebellious, and they numbed the anger and pain I felt from the instability at home. They also made me feel confident, secure, and like I could do anything. As I got older, drugs and alcohol became a tool for me to use. If I needed to laugh, cry, relax, work, think, hope, wish, or have fun, a quick trip to the store or a quick trip to pick up some pills or some weed or some coke fixed it all. It was the only tool that I had and it was a tool that I was good at. And that's where this stops. Now, I don't know. I'm trying to find a date on this on, on when I wrote it. Um, I want to say it was, it couldn't have been that long ago because it just says over a year. So it's probably, I don't know, maybe September. Yeah, it was probably in September or October, you know, to elaborate on this a little bit. Um, this, this battle in, in my head, I know a lot of us have, I know a lot of us share that. And it's a, it's a very tough thing to talk about because you feel really embarrassed by it. You feel, you feel almost like an outsider, like it's weird, like it's not normal. And I still feel like that. I wonder if other people, you know, feel the same way, if they have the same things going on in their head, you know, and it's hard, it's a hard thing to share. It's a hard thing to talk about. You really have to find somebody that you trust and that you feel comfortable with to talk about. In this case, um, you know, the microphone is my my buddy, my friend, you know, and, I, and don't get me wrong. I have my wife. I have, you know, Seth, who's a good buddy of mine. And I have some other family members and um, some people that I'm really close with. In other words, I have a great support group. Uh, but sometimes maybe not everyone is as lucky as I am to have that. Maybe, maybe you don't really have uh, anybody. Maybe you just have, um, you know, yourself, maybe you have your support groups. Uh, maybe you have, a, well, hopefully, you know, you have, you have somebody at least, but even with somebody, sometimes these, these deep, these deep spiritual battles that we have in our head are very difficult to talk about. So I, I wanted to touch on that. I, I was fighting a disease of compulsion, insecurity, depression, and addiction. Those four words combined together, um, 
is it really sums it up because the compulsion thing is a very compulsive personality. Like I want to do things on the drop of a dime and I want, when I want something, I, it's like even impulse buying stuff is a good example. Like I know I shouldn't spend the money on this, but boom, I'm going to buy it anyways. And fuck it. I'll just worry about it later. You know, that was a common thing. And that that's what would happen with when alcohol and drugs gotten, got involved because I, I wasn't able to think about the consequences, think about the aftermath of what I would be doing. It would just be so compulsive. Like I'm, I'd tell myself all day, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that today. And then like, it was just, it's like a, on a, it's like a light switch. You, that light switch could be off. It could be off. It could be off. It could be off. And then all of a sudden something triggers it and boom, that switch goes on and it's like fucking full force. Like I'm getting after it. I don't care. Um, next to the insecurity, gosh, what an insecure person I was insecure to the max. And, and maybe a lot of people that know me might not have been able to tell that. Um, but in, in the inside, gosh, I mean, I thought people, you know, talked about me. I thought that I was weak. I thought that, um, you know, and all this was all in my own head. Come to find out, you know, most people that I, that I know probably think the absolute opposite about me. Um, but at the time I just, I had no self-esteem. My self-esteem was so, was so low, you know, and part of it, it wasn't just because drinking and, and doing drugs. I mean, this, this stems back to our childhood. I mean, to my childhood, this stems back to, uh, growing up, going through different things and never addressing them, never, you know, never talking about them, never getting my feelings out. Um, so that insecurity transitioned into me, you know, becoming a young man and then, um, you know, as I got older, trying to find out what, um, what a real man was. Uh, and that was a, that was a difficult, difficult time because here I was trying to, trying to be this man, you know, I was, I was gotten married and, you know, I was going to have a, a baby girl and like, I didn't know who the fuck I was. I didn't know if I was a man. I didn't feel like a man at the time. And I wasn't a man because I was, I was making, you know, bad decisions. I was lost. Uh, I wasn't firmly rooted in, in, in the decisions that I was making and, and be able to stand strong for my family. Um, you know, and, and in my opinion, I didn't become a man until I got sober. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm proud of and it feels good to say that. So let's jump on to depression. Um, depression is something that is still a battle. I think a lot of people deal with depression, whether you're an alcoholic or not. Depression is just, you know, somebody who that's a disease in itself. And I don't know if, well, actually, I don't know if depression is a disease, um, I could be, I could be wrong on that or right. I'm not really sure. It's a good question. Um, but I do know that a lot of people suffer from depression and that is one of the darkest things too. And, and it's really in and out. You could have a great day. Everything could be going fine. Um, you could be feeling right. And then at the drop of a dime again, boom, you are, you're down. You feel like the world is crashing down around you. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing, tough thing to deal with. Um, depression, 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 depression can lead to suicide. Depression can lead to alcoholism. Depression can lead to addiction. 
uh, a number of things. It can lead to staying in bed and not wanting to do anything, not wanting to be active or sociable. Um, you basically just want to crawl up in a ball and not do anything. And what a difficult thing for somebody to have to deal with. And then you get into the whole prescription medication. And because I, I really do think that depression is, I think that there is something chemically in certain people. I also think that the majority of people, if they were able to find some way, some sort of willpower, some sort of, um, some sort of fire under their ass to get, you know, to get after it. And because I think, I think health is, you know, is a really important part of not curing depression by any means. I, I don't know what cures depression. And, and most, you know, someone who suffers from depression might want to tell me to shut the fuck up right now. And that's fine. I understand. I'm doing the best I can to elaborate on this. It's, um, it's not, it's not an easy thing to talk about, to, to kind of, um, to kind of speak on, but what I do know from myself, let me put it like that is that when, when I'm doing the things that I know I, I should be doing is when I feel the best. Now, these things that I know I should be doing, I don't do all the time. And I'm, I, I've learned enough and I'm smart enough to know now that when I don't do them is when I start feeling like shit. And when I start feeling depressed, so you know, one might say, well, then why don't you just continue doing? Well, that's, that's all part of the, that's part of the whole process. We know what we have to do a lot of the times, but yet we still won't do it or we don't do it. Um, so back to my point, health, you know, eating healthy, getting exercise. And I'm not, I'm not saying you got to go be a gym rat. I'm just saying walk, you know, take a walk for a half hour every day. If, you know, somebody says, oh, I don't have time. Well, get your ass up a half hour earlier for work. And, you know, if your kids are asleep, you know, your husband, your wife or whatever, get your ass up and go on a walk or take your, take your family on a walk when you get home from work. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, make time to get a little exercise, get out, get some, get some air, get some sun, you know, sun. That's a, that's another important aspect that vitamin D to really, um, it makes you feel alive. How, How many times have you gone through a winter and then you're towards the end of the of the winter and spring hits and you start to get a little bit of sun and just that, that first sunny, like clear day, it feels so good. You just feel that feeling in your soul. You feel the, the, the warmth and, and almost just, just this high almost. And it feels great. Um, so that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on to addiction on my horrible impersonation of Forrest Gump. Um, addiction is, I mean, addiction's addiction. What are we addicted to? We're addicted to all kinds of different things. I'm addicted to coffee. I drink coffee like a motherfucker. I drink energy drinks still. You know, so I, I mean, yeah, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but fuck, I'm st- I still have my little addictions and my little quirks and stuff. That's just part of my personality. And it's part of having an addictive personality, I guess. Now I've been able to, to quit, you know, some of the, some of the bad ones, smoking, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed drinking, all that kind of stuff, but I still have addictive tendencies. I still have an addictive personality. So I need to stay on top of that. I need to stay conscious of it. I need to recognize it. Um, I probably should cut back on the coffee a bit. Do you drink coffee? What do you drink? What kind of coffee do you drink? 
what kind no, you know what else I noticed real quick is when you put a filter on the top of the coffee, God, that shit tastes so much better. I haven't had the filter on the top of mine uh, for a while. We just use tap water, which I know I shouldn't do either because uh, it tastes like shit and it's probably not the best for you. But man, you put that filter on there, shit tastes a lot better. Um, that's a part of the disease. Those four things, compulsion, insecurity, depression, and addiction. Okay, so let's go over this battle in my head that's going on. And, and maybe, maybe you've felt this way too. You have this, it's like the, it's like the classic good angel and bad angel is the the way that I always like to describe it on, on the good side or the, the quote unquote good side. It's telling you, Hey, you know, Shane, there's, there's nothing wrong with you, man. Like you're fine. Everybody does this shit. Everyone drinks, everyone parties a little bit. Like you're, you don't, you're not excessively doing it. You know, you're only doing it every day, but uh, it's not a big deal. It's all part. It's part of your twenties, man. Hey, that's what you're supposed to do, you know. Uh, and it's not a disease. Who the fuck told you it's a disease? What a fucking idiot! Whoever told you it's a disease is like that is completely wrong. How can alcoholism be a disease? How can alcohol be a disease? How can drugs be a disease? It's a choice, you know. And there may be some. There may be some substance to that. I don't really feel like elaborating on it right now, to be honest. Um, so I'm not going to. But I feel it's a disease. I feel that it's born in it's, I feel, excuse me, I feel that it's hereditary. Okay. My father is an alcoholic. I have other family members that are, they drink a lot. Let's just put it like that. And nothing against them. That's their own deal. I'm not judging or saying anything. I'm just stating the facts. Love you guys. Um, You are fine. That's the other thing. You're fine. You know, you're fine. Everything you're doing is normal. And then this is my favorite one. Tomorrow, we're going to make some changes. I can't think how many times I would say that. Tomorrow, I'm going to, okay, you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow this, tomorrow that, tomorrow this, tomorrow that. I'm going to wake up one day and be almost on my deathbed going, well, I think tomorrow, well, fuck, you're about to die tomorrow. So you better do something now. And then I put in here, I put in here in parentheses too the word we, because it's a funny thing. And this goes back to, having a hard time talking about this stuff with people because it, people might think you're weird. a quote unquote normie, you know, who's got it all together and they do everything just perfectly. And we go to our job and we make our paycheck and we pay our bills on time and we do everything. And we have one drink and we do, we're perfect and our kids and our but fucking suck a dick. Okay. Eat a butt. All that shit is bullshit. Nobody's perfect. The other side of my head says this. You aren't good enough. You're a loser. You can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. And you're probably going to end up like your dad. Okay, now that's that's some shit right there, all those together. So you got one side telling you you're fine. One side telling you everything's okay. What you're doing is normal. You know, whatever. And then the other side of you, the other side of your head's telling you that you're a piece of shit. You're a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. Everything you're doing is wrong and everything you've done is wrong and you're not going to amount to anything. And there's a possibility that you're probably going to end up like your dad. Imagine dealing with this on a daily basis. A lot of you don't have to imagine it because maybe you do deal with it. Well, maybe some of you listening, um, you know, you listen because you have somebody else, a family member, a friend, uh, someone you care about that, that, you know, maybe going through some of this shit. And these are the types of things that an alcoholic's brain does to them, their spirit, their, their mind, 
They go back and forth like this. They go up and down. This is all the cycle of addiction. It's all the cycle of alcoholism. And, um, you know, like I said at the bottom, somewhere in the middle of all of it, there was, there was a bottle and some drugs and that cured everything. So, um, when you really think about this, this little short paragraph that I just kind of broke down is the alcohol and the drugs are not of the main issue. Those are a tool that we use to mask, to cope, um, you know, to make ourselves feel better because we don't know how to deal with our emotions. We don't know how to deal with these thoughts, these, um, these things that have happened to us when, when we were young, even that we don't want to deal with. So let's move on here, here real quick too, about the alcoholic family. How many of us have grown up in alcoholic families? I do remember my dad drinks Coors. So I, I distinctly, you know, those, those like vivid images, those still images of when you were a kid that you can remember. Uh, Maybe you don't remember specific details, but you just remember that image of, you know, doing something. Well, I remember that image of like this shitty old fridge or not shitty, but it was just old school. You know, this is in the eighties, that fridge uh, out in Napa. We lived in Napa at the time. And I, I mean, I couldn't have been, I was probably five, six years old. And I remember my dad, he would drink beers and he would leave half of them in the fridge and I would sneak out there and I would drink them and I didn't drink them to get drunk or anything. I didn't even know what the fuck it was, but I, I would just, I, I drank them because dad drank them, you know? So, so and what I'm getting at is here is we see this shit when we're young, you know, I can remember smelling, smelling, um, smelling weed when I was, when I was so young, I remember finding it and I can remember that smell still, you know, as, as a kid. And, you know, one of the things, one of the things I'd like to share actually right now that just popped into my head was something that just broke my heart. And this was right before I made the decision to go to Azure and to, um, to get some help is one of my things, you know, before, before I stopped was, I mean, I, not only did I drink and do other drugs and stuff too, but I smoked weed, like weed was like my was like my main even killed thing. Like I smoked weed all day. Like from the time I woke up at five in the morning till the time I went to bed and every day I always had some weed and I always smoked. And so what I would do is I would sneak out to the garage or not necessarily sneak out. Sometimes I'd have to sneak out, but uh, just to try to get away from, from, you know, if my daughter was inside or my wife or whatever, and I had to go take a couple puffs real quick to, I got to get loaded, man. So I can maintain this shit. Um, so I would, I would sneak out and go out and do my little thing. And I remember, this is right before I left, I had just finished and I was walking, or I was about to walk back inside and I was putting my little, my little roach away or whatever. And my daughter walked out in the garage and I went, oh, oh shit, you know, whatever. So I put the shit up or, you know, as I was coming in and she said, daddy, it smells like evil in here. And my fucking heart just like dropped. My stomach dropped. It was just the weirdest because this, at this time, you know, she was, she's probably, what was she? She had just turned three maybe, or she was in almost three. Um, so she was still little and for her to like, and not that weed is evil either. That's not what I'm getting at. So don't get all, you know, pissed off at me. If, um, if you have a issue with weed, 
Uh, I don't. I don't give a fuck. But to for her to say that um, in that in that type of context, you know, from her little mouth and just like, and I knew what I was doing, all the other stuff too to go along with it. It just like broke me. It just made me see something that that what I was doing was not right, and just the fact that she knew that you know that was out there and that it that it wasn't cool and that it wasn't that it wasn't right um it just did something to me and it reminded me of when i was a kid and when i would smell you know the the weed in the air the smoke and i knew that i knew that it wasn't a good thing i didn't know what it was but it was very distinct and i knew that that's what you know dad and his friends did or whatever and you know once my daughter told me that i started thinking back and i was just like dude i don't want my daughter thinking that i don't want her knowing that i don't want her thinking daddy you know is out here you know he's got a smoke he's got a smoke bud um just to maintain just to be around me just to be happy he's you know he's got to do that and that's like i didn't want that shit anymore and so for some reason that that just woke my brain up at that time and i I thank god for that and i thank her for saying that because I, i really do think that it was it was some greater force that was kind of speaking through her uh, at least that's what it felt like at the time. It it was there was something very spiritual about it, and uh, it wasn't the fact that I was just fucking high. Okay, all right, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you were just fucking stoned, man, and I probably was stoned out of my mind. Okay, but I'll tell you what. At that moment, that shit woke me the fuck up, and it it really it really said something to me about um, I needed to get some help. So. Um, I know I got off topic there because that popped into my head when I thought about, you know, me being a kid and, uh, and drinking the beers and smelling the weed and stuff. But, um, you know, so back to that, you know, the whole alcoholic family thing, the domestic violence, the, I mean, the cops showing up to my house all the time, being a kid and my, my sister and I stuck in the middle of it. Um, you know, these are things that I've, I've really had to block out of my mind or I've tried to block out of my mind and forget. Uh, they're still there, but you know, when I look at my life now and where I've come and where I've been, you know, those were things that had huge impacts on, on myself, on my sister, on my mom, uh, and on my dad, you know, all of us as a family. Um, and it's just part of it, man. It's just part of fucking life. You know, we don't, we don't get to, we don't get to pick the cards we're dealt. You know, we just, we got to play them and we got to play them to the best of our ability. So that's what I'm doing right now. That's why I'm doing this, um, you know, this show and, and that's why I'm staying sober and I'm doing my best to take care of my, my family and keep my side of the street clean, son, uh, take that. And, uh, I hope that something I said, I hope that it made sense and I hope that you got something out of it and I hope that you pass it on. Check out the website, www.thatsoberguy.com. Leave us a comment on there. Sign up on the subscribe list. Type your email in. We'll send you some cool shit. Also, I wanted to throw out there, if you email me at sobriety at that sober guy, throw me a suggestion. If you want to drop an address on there, I'll mail some stickers out too. I got a shit ton of stickers. Uh, that sober guy podcast stickers. I know, nothing special. Uh, it's a fucking sticker, but still, I mean, you know, if you like the show, uh, rock that shit, represent it in your city, spread the word, um, and get involved in the show. Um, like I said in the beginning, this isn't my show. This is our show. This is your show. 
and we can all grow it together and we can do a good thing for ourselves and our people out there that's what this shit's about helping others so um pass it on pass it around and uh much love respect this has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast on Recovery Radio with Shane Raymer. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com or you can email Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy a sober, healthy, happy life.